Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and um, I'm recording here live from Austin, Texas, uh, in the heart of Texas, capital, right? And um, today I have the privilege, the pleasure of speaking with an illustrator, graphic designer, filmmaker based in Austin, Texas. His illustration work varies from traditional ink and marker drawings to digital art with the primary focus being old school NES style pixel art. Please welcome John Garcia. Hey, you got all that right. Nailed it. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, do, I do a pure copy and paste. It's, it's literally <laughs> copy and paste. So, you know, as we were kind of chatting a little bit beforehand, um, you said you're the uh, the Smith of... <laughs> yes. Yeah. John Garcia is basically... If you put that in Google Translate, it would tell you John... Garcia. So John Smith, John Garcia. That's the translation. It's like put in a, a fake name. It's like, what's your fake name? John Garcia. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, give us those vital stats. And the reason I started off with that, because it's, it's funny, like people will say, look, this is how my name is. Like my actual name is probably the whitest black guy name you'll run into. Oh, yeah. Like Rob Lee is part of my name, right? So give us those vital stats. Tell us about your, your background and what currently inspires you. Because, you know, like I said, gave that cut and paste sort of vibe. Yeah. But, you know, give us those, um, those, those details, things that you feel like this is really toast to John, John Garcia story. Oh man. So I, I guess, it, you know, you're in Austin. This is like the place I've been trying to get to my whole life. I'm a kid from West Texas, middle of Odessa, a, you know, very conservative, not an artsy town. It's the kind of town where when I did art in high school, my art teacher told me anime is not real art. And then later found out he was a baseball coach. So what the hell did he know, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, so I started off, uh, went to college for uh, news broadcast, journalism stuff, worked at a news station, and I saw how much reporters didn't make. And so I decided to pivot to the, I was always, you know, did art and stuff. So I pivoted to the like promotional graphic design stuff. That led me to follow my wife, who was a reporter at the time, to Albuquerque, and I got a job at an ad agency there. Yeah. And then I followed her back. She got a job in Austin with, uh, she works for public health now, so she does way more hard work than I do. But I followed her back to Austin, and I kind of freelanced for a bit, doing some video work, and then I found my day job, which is a, you know, I'm a graphic designer for the learning department at a taco place here called Torchies, yeah. which, you know, if you're in Austin, go there. <laughs> um, but, and then, so that was kind of like my day job, but that, it was one of those jobs where I really loved what I did. And I, you know, some people will work all day and they're so exhausted, they just lose their passion. This place was kind of like, they let me do my thing. And so at night I was just amped up to do like, you know, my illustration work, my pixel artwork and stuff like that. And I kind of just, um, so I started off with ink and paper, um, and then pivoted to the pixel art because I love video games. And I'm like, I was trying to do like scenes. So basically like kids in their bedroom, you know, yeah. people eating, you know, just these little scenes in these very small frames. And then it kind of pivoted to me now working on a video game set in like 1998. Like I'm using that medium <laughs> to be a storyteller, an interactive storyteller. Cause I, I don't know. I'm just, a, I'm a nineties kid. So it's yeah. like video games, uh, you know, video games, music and, you know, stuff like that is that still lives in me. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we love, um, we love that nostalgia. Like, you know, I'm thinking of 1998, I was 13, I believe. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think we're in a similar like age range or what have you. And it's, it's one of those things where when we see it represented, um, in like popular media, we see it represented as 
an attachment to something that we enjoy. And I'll, I'll name drop two things. And I know that it's going to resonate with you. This is how I know we're in the same tribe. Uh, the Scott Pilgrim, like the, the game attached to that. I played the hell out of that one and the stranger things one. Mm-hmm. Both of those were fire and they kind of like in a contemporary sort of way spoke that kind of pixel art vibe, but it was like a little like pixel art to that next level. Yeah. And it was just like, Oh no, this is fun. This is, this is great. And cause I'm not, I was, uh, I'm a retro gamer versus a, cont- a contemporary gamer. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the thing. And that's why like, and looking at your, your work here, you brought me some great stickers and even the, um, the, the stills that you showed me. I was like, Oh, okay. No, no, this is, this is great. This is, this is definitely pressing that button for me. So I, I've heard, because I've been doing a deep dive recently, because um, we're in Austin, I've been reading an Austin Cleon book, because why not? Uh, I've heard that several artists um, of various disciplines describe copying or, or stealing, a.k.a. being influenced. It's like, you know, you're influenced. No, you, you, you kind of just took something and made it better, or you made your, your put your own stank on it, if you will, um, and from artists that they like. So in that, who are artists or who are different influences from you? Like, who do you steal from? So when I first started, it was uh, Jim Lee, the artist who did like the whenever they rebooted all the X Men back in the mm-hmm. early '90s. Um, that iconic cover of Wolverine and Cyclops. That oh, yeah. that was like the first. I remember that was the first thing I saw the poster when it was like I don't know how old it was, nine or eight. And I remember seeing like they had a big coming suit, and I was just like enthralled by that big panoramic. Yeah. And so I would you know buy the comics and I would try to copy them and stuff like that you know and so that was like the first person I'm like I want to draw like this guy. Yeah. And then as you do it you know as I got older you start you start seeing like people who are like oh man this guy's a great layout artist like he creates these art and he lays them out and then you start you start just picking these pieces from people who are great so like Scotty uh, Scotty Young he does a lot of like really like. He did like the Marvel babies, like he yeah. does, that's his style. And I just loved how he take these small characters and made their like poses so dynamic and he would use blacks and stuff. So like I would steal like, okay, I can see how he's doing shading here. That's really cool how he's doing shading. But Jim Lee's got these like iconic poses and he just shoots these, he shoots, everything he draws is cinematic. So, you know, you copy initially just cause you don't know what you're doing mm-hmm. and then you figure it out as you go and you kind of just start taking like, okay, I want to use his poses, I want to use his shading technique and yeah. you kind of create your own style and then eventually you find it. Cause everyone's like, how do you find a style? I'm like, you kind of just stumble into it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's interesting when, when, cause people don't really want to share that. And I think that's what people look for. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, I, I always make comparisons to other mediums, other practices, right? Like other things that people are, are traveling. And so, you know, when, when I think of how you were describing it, I immediately started thinking of someone who works in kitchens mm-hmm. and it's like, well, you are your experiences. So if you've worked in various kitchens, let's say you've worked in French, Thai, Filipino, whatever, and all of those are there, your style is going to be reflective of that. I think mm-hmm. whether it's the environment, whether it's the type of cuisine. So when you know how we talk about, man, I want to see more diversity because it's the same white dudes watching the same things. Mm-hmm. So if we have more people that were interested in different things, then you would have diversity. I, I think that's how how that really works. And I'll, I'll throw this in there too, and I think you'll appreciate this. I um one of the early things my dad got me. I have a younger brother. One of the early things that my dad got me was Jim Lee's initial run of Wildcats, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and my brother just left them out, and they got ruined. And oh, um, it was it was such he, he has such distinctive art. And in addition to that, 
I had a background in drawing early. I went to the school, I applied for the school of the arts, didn't work out because, you know, childish art. <laughs> I used to draw Wolverine and make money from it. I used to just like sell it for a quarter. Oh, man. This is what I was doing in the early 90s. Um, but one of the, the tests for me, I don't know if um, you guys had it down here in Texas, but I think it was national, this sort of can you draw this dog, that, that test. Oh, yeah. I did that and he graded it and it was like, you got a 95. I was like, I feel like this is fake. Yeah. I feel like this is fake somehow. First, one of the first scams we kind of approach as a kid. It's like, wait, is this real? But I, what I used to do was what my metric was, was I would try to draw the covers from wizard oh yeah yeah. that's what i tried to do mm-hmm. and um i had a i did a comic uh when i was uh i think i was like 13 i did a comic in middle school and i used to get really defensive because i was one of those kids that i was smart but i was always like i want to do something creative right mm-hmm. so i would hurry up i know that i could coast to like a b plus on a test hurry up and do that in like 10 minutes and then spend the rest of the time everyone else was taking the test to draw. Mm-hmm. And I remember my teacher came by and it was something I was drawing. I just had these characters pop in my head. And it's, I feel like, if I remember correctly, it was some pastiche of cable. Mm-hmm. And the teacher came by, I just took it, balled it up, threw it away. I was like, you bitch. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, and and um, but I remember it was this other time where I was finishing up coloring men, um, this, this comic that I was doing. And she saw it and I was like, look, touch this we're gonna have issues we're gonna throw down i will throw these scholastic magazines at you and she was like let me talk to you after class you know and she was like you're really talented um she's like can we laminate this she really wanted to make sure that this was protected and mm-hmm. that she got it printed she was just really bragging about me being it and i think that's what gave me the motivation to apply at least to the school of the arts mm-hmm. so i could have been in a completely different lane than yeah. i'm in now doing this podcast but uh, lastly, I'll say I'm doing a comic right now. Oh, there you go. Um, I'll, I'll send it over to you oh, so you God. can take a look. It's Cat Lawyers. Hey, okay. I'm, My I'm, girlfriend writes some of the issues, and I uh, I write some of them, and I send it to a person to do the art. And um, yeah, it's it's fun. I'm backdoored into something I was doing hey, as a kid. I like, I like cats. Though. I don't know about lawyers, but I like cat lawyers. Let's see. <laughs> They're lazy cat lawyers. I'll put it this way. Okay. If you remember, um, what is it, uh, SWAT cats? Oh, yes, sir. This was me having a rant. It's like, it has to be a judiciary branch of SWAT cats. So it's literally that. <laughs> sure, the cat cinematic universe over there, man. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, so when you're making new work, tell me about your process. Like, where do you start and how do you know if you're like going in the direction that you know, like work for yourself. Cause I, I would imagine if you're, you're doing work for like the day job, that's kind of like a set line in a sense. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing work for yourself, I would imagine that you get like, look, I'm really in left field right now. I need to get back to like home base. So tell me about that. Um, so I would use, I used to like kind of rack my brain trying to be clever and draw something that people would, you know, like resonate with, like mm-hmm. try to play the algorithm, I guess. Yeah. Cause that's what we kind of all do. And then at a certain point it, um, now it's just like, um, since I'm like, I'm in the weeds with this video game, you know, it's set in 1998. So basically just, I'm in the weeds with this, like watching old nineties commercial, old nineties shows, old nineties. And so it's just, it's like, okay, what was I into as a kid? So it's like, okay, let's do the kid's bedroom and we'll put off from there. Like, what did my bedroom look like? Lava lamp, well, you know, blow up furniture for some reason. We thought that was a good <laughs> idea. Um, and then it's basically just, it, it, and it's also a thing because as an illustrator, hand drawing i hate drawing backgrounds like i hate backgrounds that's a lot of work i i'm not my brain doesn't like the you know the straight line i can't do it but doing backgrounds in a video game is different because i'm trying to take these huge pieces and compress them down to like how do i make a backpack in 20 by 20 pixels and make it look like a backpack that's it's more of a challenge than anything else 
And so that's that's kind of how I approach it. It's just like, okay, I want what what would I want to see, and how can I make this? If I can show in a small amount of like, because the frame I make is like two seventy five by one sixty, yeah. and it's like, okay, you have a very finite space, yeah. but you have to tell a story with this image. What's this kid's bedroom look like? And basically, it's like it starts with the story, and then it's like, okay, how do I show that story? Yeah. It's like one level is a dive bar. How do I show this is a dive bar? You know, exposed brick. You know, broken tap, broken bathroom. It's like, okay, yeah. it's like. Everything starts with the story, essentially. Yeah. It's like, what's the story this picture tells? And that's kind of how I approach it. It's like, what story do I want to tell right now? Yeah, that makes a lot of <laughs> sense. Because I, I think sometimes with uh, some of those games, I think the main thing that changes, we can do a different skin, right? Mm -hmm. But for the most part, the characters are pretty static, but yeah. the backgrounds are dynamic. So how do you know you're on a different level of a game? The the villains are different slightly. Yeah. It's like, oh, he's green now and mm -hmm. he's shaking. So he's yeah. different. And oh, we're on the water level. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how it goes. Um, so that, that's, that's really cool, actually. Uh, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about growing up and you know being that you know your stuff is um, early you know you're talking about some early things some early influences so what's a life experience that you think helped shape your creative sensibility I would imagine video playing video games is a piece of it yeah um, I think the first thing that got me into like comics and art was um, my parents you know get I get dragged to my mom was super super Catholic at the time and so she dragged me to church and you know I was like six years old. And um, someone had left an Archie comic in the pew, like where the Bibles were. Yeah. And that was the first comic I'd ever seen. Like, I didn't know my, I didn't know X-Men or anything. I knew Archie and yeah. like these high, like, high school kids set in the 50s. Like, I had no idea. Like, what this, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, this is okay. This is my first, you know, my first real like pop culture that found me. Yeah. And so that was my first comic. And so like a lot of uh, that was like the most defining because I tried to like copy it. I'd basically rewrite the comics from scratch and then, you know, I had no sense of anything because I was like six years old. But that was like one of the first defining yeah. moments of that. And then the thing that got me back into illustration after, you know, I got, got disgruntled after the art teacher told me what art was art. But, um, the baseball teacher. <laughs> yeah, the, the, ba the baseball coach. JV, he wasn't even a real, he was JV coach. Like, you're not even a real coach. He wasn't even a real coach. <laughs> Um, You're minor leagues in the high school. You yeah. suck. <laughs> when I lived in Albuquerque, um, we got a puppy, uh, yeah. a little old dog named Aria. She's a Husky Shepherd mix. And she um, she would get up at 5 in the morning. That's when she wanted to go outside. So I would get up with her and let her out. And, you know, I was like, I'm not going to bed. It's 5 in the morning. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I had some doodle paper there. And I was just scratching. like, no, I'll just... I can't sit here and just watch TV for three hours before I go to work. So I started just doodling again and started coming back. And I was like, man, I out of practice. My hands are not doing what my head knows it can do. Yeah. So I would just start doing it. And if you scroll back on my Instagram, you can see where it started. Like it was like rough. And yeah. then I was just posting it though, but I was like making myself accountable. I did a drawing a day pretty much for like three years straight. Oh, wow. Um, and that kind of tailed off because I was trying to do different projects. But that, that little dog got me up in the morning and made me find like a little a purpose of yeah. like, hey, you, you know, you need to do something. You need to, you know, I'm, I'm a dog. You need to, <laughs> you know, this dog food ain't free. You need to find something to do, bud. So that's kind of, those are the two defining things that kind of, that, that dog got me back where I'm at right now. <laughs> so, so the Archie comment, was there a light coming off of that? Like, ah, that kind of thing? Or <laughs> it, it kind of was because you, if you look at it, it's like a brown pew and black Bibles. And then you saw this like bright red cover. Just, right. it was almost like a video game where you see like, that's a, that's a key item. I need to grab that. But it, it looked like that. I remember seeing it. So. I'll, I'll send it to you after we're done. Um, there's a, uh, a video I was a part of. I had a, um, 
Um, I had a guest on a while back. He's an artist in Baltimore. He does murals and all types of cool stuff. And um, he, he's a dad, and his son was doing his first um, student film. And it was a film about finding this, like, comic. It was an Incredible Hulk comic, but he mm-hmm. found it, like, in the dollar books. And he's trying to, like, finesse it the whole time. He's like, I can get this <laughs> offline. It'll be fine. So eventually, he's like, I need to go to a shop to get it, right? And I'm the person that they have in the shop as the oh. shop owner. So... He does this thing where he like finesses the book and I'm not supposed to know that that book is very rare, very expensive. Oh, okay. So he, he's like super short and they do the aspect ratio and you, you see how tall I am. I'm like looking down and they're showing the camera from my POV and he's like, like looking up, like, <laughs> am I good? Yeah. And I'm like $3. He has three books. I literally charge it for like the one, I guess a dollar book. And it's just like, I like that sort of, That's cool. we're going to relive these things that we like. Yeah. So that's some crowd time. Like I said, I made you a character yeah. from my game, sent it to you. And there's actually a level in a comic shop. Maybe I'll just throw your guy in there. That'd be it's fire. like a little cross promotion there. The world's fire. colliding. Oh yeah. <laughs> there is a universe where Rob Lee so runs a comic shop. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love hearing that though. And the um and, and having that purpose, like you know, like you said, I'm I'm a dog. It's like, look, I need to walk. So you need to do whatever you need to do. He's like, I don't want to, you know, inf- I don't want to infringe. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's one of those things where where I, I have a cat. He's a dick. And I just let him like hang out in the basement where my, my girl has a dog and he's a sheep dog. Mm-hmm. So he needs, and he's, he's like a big sheep dog. He's like 90 pounds. He needs to run around. He needs to go out. Yeah. So she's like, I guess I gotta take him on. I guess I do this exercise mm-hmm. stuff. And she would get up and do some writing mm-hmm. and, you know, feeling like when you're out of practice and you haven't done it for a while, like I need to commit to something. Yeah. And, you know, commitment is one of those things. Um, while I'm down here, I've passed the um, UT like facility a couple of times. Yeah. And it's like commitment, practice, blah blah blah. Yeah. And I was like, there's something in that. Well, it, there's something to like also like being pretty good at something and then not doing it and then realizing I'm not pretty good at it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like there's something that breaks an ego where you're like, man, this thing I kind of put my identity on for a little bit. I am not good at this anymore. Like I am not who I was. And you kind of lose. You're like. Do I want, am I still that person? Am I not? And it's like a weird, a very low grade existential crisis. I mean, it's not like highbrow, but it's very much something where you're like, man, I used to be pretty good at this. Like, and I'm, now I'm not good at I'm it. I'm mid now. <laughs> I'm like, this is, <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's see. Doing something mundane, right? Mm-hmm. Um, something low focus. And I think, you know, maybe walking a dog is one. Like, like maybe taking a shower, mm-hmm. uh, taking a walk has been described as, um, a means to spark creativity and we get some of our best ideas. I know that I get mine while I'm in the shower or what have you. And I, I now bring a notepad when I'm going somewhere like, you know, I gotta, I gotta have my hands involved. Like that's a good note. Um, when do you get, when do you get your best ideas? Well, like what mundane thing are you doing and you get your best ideas? So it is walking the dog. I walk the dog, uh, you know, the morning, um, we have two now, but I walk the dogs and, um, that's a good one because I make a point and this is like a weird pet peeve I have when I see people walking their dogs, but they're on their phone the whole time. It. And it's like a weird thing. Cause I'm like, your dog's not going to live that long. Give them all your attention. That's kind of a weird thing. Yeah. So my brain is like, I'm walking my dog. I'm watching them do their thing. And that's when the ideas happen. And also just the gym. Cause I'm like, I always tell my wife, I'm like, I'm going to the gym for my stupid mental health. Like it's like, <laughs> I, I like working out's fine, but it's not one of those things where it's like, 
this is maintenance. This is just so when I'm 70, I can't, I'm not going to be like in a bit. I'm like, oh, I should have lifted that. But it's mostly like, cause it's pretty much like I'm going for my stupid mental health right now. And that's when my brain's just kind of free to like come up with like, Hey, you know, it'd be a good level. This would be a good level. Yeah. Hey, you know, who you, you forgot from high school, that guy, that random guy who, you know, who, you know, made fun of your, your South Park t-shirt that one. They're like, Oh, that guy needs to be in. I'm going to take him down a peg. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's basically like walking my dog and, and going to the gym or the two main parts right at. Yeah. And then sometimes just having conversations with my wife, like she'll say a line, like she'll say a, a phrase and it's like, she'll just throw, she has like a weird sense of humor where she'll say random stuff. She'll say a funny thing and you like have five seconds to lay like, wait a minute, what the hell was that? That was not <laughs> what? And so that, that'll, that's kind of like having conversations with her is also a really good thing. And luckily, another thing I do during the day is I'll put my headphones and just call friends mm-hmm. and we'll reminisce. And some of those reminiscing will bring up ideas. And so that's the thing I'll teach people. Call yeah. a friend, talk to yeah. them on the phone 30 minutes. You can do it with your headphones while you're working. Sometimes yeah. it's one of the best things to do. Absolutely. Um, I, I watch, if I'm watching something, I'm always never fully engaged when I'm watching something. It's just because I... <sighs> Mystery Science Theater 3000. I'm mm-hmm. doing that, right? Mm-hmm. And especially if it's a documentary, like, um, there was this, like, what is that? I think it was like a documentary about black music. And I'm like, what is this tracksuit? And I'm just like, like, it's, I'm thinking out loud. Yeah. <laughs> and it now turns into almost, um, like material for my girl. She's writing a, a story about, she's writing two stories. One is a horror story. And my girl looks like a Bratz doll. Mm-hmm. So that writing about this gothic graphic novel, <laughs> and then she's writing a story about artists. And so she's taking different things that I say just naturally mm-hmm. in our conversations. And she's like, you know, that's going to pop up in the story, right? Because yeah. it was something like, I was like, man, I don't F with water. And she's just like, <laughs> I'm writing it down. That's a good line. That's actually pretty good. <laughs> uh, we're, so we're an amalgamation of what we like um, we, we cho- uh, and what we choose to bring into our lives. So, for instance, I like wrestling. We talked about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Pop culture references that I'm sure that listeners notice when they go through these. Like, this dude, again, with the Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, d- describe something that isn't work-related, that isn't art-related, that pops up in your work. Like, obviously, you're doing a, n- a 90s homage, video games, comics. That mm-hmm. stuff is going to pop up in there. What's something else that's like... John loves this, and this is going to pop up in there regardless. Oh, okay. <laughs> like you like pancakes, and this just is like, look, my guy's eating pancakes every morning. I don't care. Um, you know, like I'm a big, I like cooking, doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of, uh, that's more of a like, it's not bake, baking, science, cooking's art, more so type thing. Cooking so, is free jazz. Yeah, <laughs> so that's kind of um, that that kind of stuff. Like just doing anything like. I have like I have a big diverse group of friends, right? So, um, and the best part is I found that as I've gotten older, um, the friends I'm still really close with are the ones still chasing their dreams. Like I have a friend in LA right now who's making you know films and his film you know just premiered at Dance of the Films you know at the Chinese Theater, and then I have a buddy who's a indie wrestler and he just had a cool show nice. in Denver or Colorado somewhere. Um, you know, and I have buddies who are writers whose their articles got published. So. It's mostly, I, I, I think I get, it's not so much, it's more the, the people and their experiences kind of pepper me a little bit because, yeah. um, you always, you kind of just want to, you want to make the people you love proud, yeah. you know, and that's, and your friends, I think, you know, I know my parents 
kind of know what I do. I don't know if they know specifically what I do for a living or what I'm doing. They see my stuff. They like it on Facebook. They do that stuff. <laughs> but my friends actually know what, you know, making game entails, what it means to, you know, my, my filmmaking friend knows how, what it's like to try to get music for a game or anything. You know, he knows the struggles I'm going with. The writing people know like, oh, dude, you have a lot of storylines. Like, so they know you kind of meet all these people who kind of give you their, their little skills and you give them back and yeah. you're like, hey, you need some cover art? Got you covered, but I need you to punch up this because this dialogue is very stiff. Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of where I, I live in that in that space right there. I, I dig that. Um, my my parents are similar in that I like what you're doing. You're my kid, love it, but also I don't know what you're doing. Like yeah. when I told them, I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna be in Austin." Like, why are you in Texas? <laughs> I was like I'm doing interviews. It's like you're still doing that. Oh my god, yeah. I was, I was like, yeah, this podcast is doing well. Good. All right, yep. <laughs> be safe down there. Drink a lot of water. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much. God bless them. Sometimes you know <laughs> they don't. Much it. <laughs> so you you touched on it earlier uh, working out and things of that nature. It's like for my stupid mental. Um, so let's talk about things that you may do, practices that you may have to overcome like that creative burnout. Because mm-hmm. I think you know at a point for for this podcast, I was and people looking like I'm crazy when I say this. I was doing 12 to 15 interviews per week. Mm-hmm. I have a day job as well. Mm-hmm. So you're taking that in. Like if you're talking with someone about what they do and their story mm-hmm. and sometimes it's like, wow, this is a, this, you know, and conversations can take stuff out of you. Yeah. So, you know, it was like a lot of extra, it's like you're putting in an extra 70, well, extra 15 to 20 hours a week. And, you know, sometimes it's like, I need to take a, a weekend. I need mm-hmm. to take a couple of days. So just to avoid that burnout. So how do you with, you know, stuff that you're interested in, work that you're doing, how do you like balance things so you're not in that spot where you're having like creative burnout? Uh, first thing I, first thing I ever did was learn to say no to projects because before it was like freelance, you'd have to take anything to make money. So luckily now I'm in a position where I can say no to a bunch of stuff. Um, also I take, you know, we have dogs, so they need to go outside. So I'll, I'll never work more than like, say three hours solid at a time. Never. Cause they are like, we gotta go outside, man. This is, we're, you know, and I feel bad cause they give me that look like, dude, come on, we need to be outside. <laughs> but also the big thing is, um, I collaborate with a lot of people. So the filmmaker, his name's Alejandro Montoya. He's in LA and he's made these really cool. We made one of his movies is called Millennium Bucks. It's set, uh, you know, New Year's Eve, 1999. Um, but I did, uh, like the posters, I did the credits, I did some subtitles, I did all, like, pretty much all the graphic design for that movie. So that was a different project, different challenge, different thing. And so I always make sure that I, one, take breaks, and two, I never, like, if friends want to go out and drink, I'll never say I'm working because I always know I'll always come back to something fresh. Mm-hmm. You know, three hours is not going to kill my productivity. If anything, I'll see a mistake I might have like piled through. And two, you get good ideas when you're talking to people. Mm-hmm. Like that's that to me is part of the work. Like so, I, that's work. But to me, it's like I'm not going to remember spending four extra hours on this game. But I'll remember having drinks with this buddy yeah. who you know, and it's like they live in town, but so like, you see them all the time. Like no, you really don't. You don't see people a whole lot. So yeah. that's kind of the thing. Is I made a point of of you know. Not, not getting that hustle mindset out, which is good sometimes, but also can be very toxic if you let it overtake you. And that was a big problem because that's the whole everything you see is like, gotta hustle, gotta hustle, gotta hustle. Always be working. Wake up, cold showers. I'm like, no, 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 no. sustainable. No, no, no. I mean, that's that's kind of like at a certain point, you gotta, you gotta, you know, life happens. And (laughs) and I I think I have this belief. 
so you know how social media works, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and everything on there is kind of like fake. And you see people doing these things that are really grandiose, really huge. Mm-hmm. It's because they have to do that. Because I'm not saying that they're not. They have to do it because they're so busy. And it's like, I need to enjoy this in excess mm-hmm. because I'm so busy. I'd rather have smaller, sustainable things and not be as busy so I can enjoy those things. Like... You know, I'm down here in my mind to work, but also part of me working is to take in culture. Mm-hmm. And so I had a question I'm going to ask you a little in a little bit that uh, I saw when I was going to the coffee shop earlier. And it just hit me because I pulled out the notebook. Like, <laughs> and I know someone looked at me. It's like, why is this huge black guy just writing a question <laughs> on 7th Street, like 7th Avenue? What are you doing? <laughs> like, sir, it's hot. You're going to melt. Um, so tell me one of your first memories in Austin. I can tell you exactly my first memory when we got here, and this ties back to where I work now. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were in Albuquerque, one of our goals was like, okay, we're going to get to either LA or Austin. That's me and my wife. My wife, our goal was like, that is where the story really starts, right? Um, and so we moved to Austin, and it was you know a long move from Albuquerque. It was a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And our first meal was at uh, the Torchies here on South Lamar. Weirdly enough, I wind up working for them. But we sat there, and I remember it was kind of like the first time we'd sat just us because our parents had helped us move, and it was just chaos. You have to, you know, we're trying to entertain people while we don't even know where we're at. And we sat there, and my wife kind of looked off, and she looked at the building, and she looked at me, she's like, we finally made it. <laughs> and then that was one that always stuck with me because I'm like, I could see the, like, there was going to be a, some hard road ahead because I was, you know, I quit my job. I didn't have a job. I was trying to, I'm like, okay, I got to start over in a town that is very competitive, very, mm-hmm. a lot of talented people here. And it's like, it gets overwhelming. It's like, if anyone's ever opened up like Photoshop and don't know how to use it, you see all those tabs, you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm <laughs> yeah. never going to figure this out. But then you figure like, okay, I just need to learn how to do the one thing I need to do. Mm-hmm. And then, but that is the moment. That was my first memory of like, I'm in Austin, this, I'm going to make this work. Cause mm-hmm. she's like, we made it. And basically pretty much honest, we're going to make it somehow we've got here. We did what we said we were going to do. Let's go. And that was, that's my first memory. And I always latch onto that whenever I get frustrated or anything. I'm like, you know what? I'm better off than that kid who was in West Texas, who was wondering where his tribe was, why he was being bullied. Yeah. And so I was like, I wish I had time machine. I can tell that kid, dude, it'll be okay. Just keep going. Keep oh, going. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so I got, I got, Two more questions for you. Uh, this is the one I added earlier. Um, I saw this thing about um, someone had a post that said uh, they believe in magic and the love and the magic that they believe in is love. So, what is that magic for you? What is something that you're gonna always believe in? It's like this is ingrained in you, John. That's like, no, I'm gonna believe in this. This is just a thing. Like some people might say the creative spirit. Some people may say. You know, I believe that tacos should never have cheese on them. Um, so <laughs> I don't hate those people. <laughs> so, so what do you? What is that thing that you believe in? That it's some magic in it. It's not something that you can create with an algorithm. It's something that it's there. Um, so one of my guiding things is I think you know if you act from a place of kindness, stuff will work out. So I've done work for people where I didn't charge them because I just. You know, they were, their budget was low or it was a project I believed in. Like, hey, we need ads for this. We don't need money. I'm like, I'll do it for you. And then people would be like, dude, you're leaving money on time. I'm like, no, it'll, it'll work itself out somehow. Like, someone will see it. I'll get, I'm like, it works itself out. I'm like, why? Cause I'm like, cause when I chase money, I was very unhappy. Like, I would do jobs. I would be miserable working on them. Yeah. But whenever I, you know, I would do jobs. I didn't have any money. 
then but the, the project meant a lot because kids would be like i love the art like, that is the stuff and and it's worked out for me because i've gotten a lot of good opportunities i've networked with cool people i work with really cool people so that it's always it's always reinforced it's like you know when you come from a place of kindness stuff will work out if you come from a place of you know just greed or anything it might not work out the way you want it to because you're going to run across other greedy people mm-hmm. but when you come from a place of kindness you're going to work with other kind people and it's kind of everyone wants to elevate everyone up and there's going to be somebody that's always going to be better at mm-hmm. the thing than you so like you, you were touching talking about when you came here it's like it's competitive and it's like what's that thing that's going to separate you know john smith from john, <laughs> john <laughs> garcia it might be like oh john garcia is the the guy that was kind about mm-hmm. it and it's like okay their art's about the same their works about the same on paper they look the same um and, that, and that's that's controversial, by the way, (laughs) but also it's like, who was the person that was kind? And one of the things that I believe in is access thing too. Mm -hmm. So there may be people that you can't get through to, you know, that you really want to network with. And it's like, Oh, well he charges a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but it's like, no, this guy was really cool. Like you should talk with him. And then suddenly it's somebody like from my standpoint, that I might want to get an interview from and I can't get through them, get through to them. But it's like, no, Rob's got a good rapport. He works with people. And I believe the community looks out like, you know, if you're chasing dollars, mm-hmm. there have been instances where, you know, people come to you, I have this project for you. And, mm-hmm. you know, outside of what many people believe, podcasts aren't cheap. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll take on jobs that you're like, all right, this is going to fund this. This is not me selling away too much of my um, equity, yeah. you know, my goodwill and all. But in there are other instances where it's like, let me just charge you guys on a sliding scale. Well, let me just do this for free. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what comes from it? There, there have been people who would tell me that, you know, people listen to your podcast and they asked about my artwork and they bought artwork from me. Mm-hmm. So I know that there's some type of gain that's there. Yeah. It's, it's awareness and it's not, um, what's, what's the word that people say when they want to pay you? Um, I'm going to give you exposure. Oh God. Yeah. I, I don't like that. I'm like, this, this is more someone being on this podcast is doing me a favor because mm-hmm. I appreciate the conversation and I'm able yeah. to learn something and, you know, establish a rapport, maybe make a friend. Like, yeah, it's one of those things when people say, what do you, what are you here to do mm-hmm. and make friends? Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. My, I, one of the things I took from the old ad agency I worked at is we have like, when we pitched, we'd have a, you know, it was uh, this guy named T and Wendy. They, they pretty much, you know, taught me advertising and marketing and they had this big bullseye in the middle was like, those are the people who you want, right? They might not be, they might be fewer numbers, but those are the people who are talking about you. Those are the people you want. Hit those people. Like, Everything else will work out. He's like, but if you have few loyal people, that's always going to be better than just people who show up when it's convenient. No, like, those that always a, stuck with me. Is, those are the know, evangelists. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, you got to stick with the people who you know that you want to work with. So, like, like your example, like, hey, I need a voice. I need a voiceover guy. Yeah. I know a guy who's got a voice here. <laughs> I have a voice. <laughs> and so it's like, man, I might reach out to you one day, and he's like, hey, I need a piece of art. Like, you reach out, and that's, that's how the world gets built. That's that, those little that's, connections, that's real connections, like not like. You might know this friend on a screen, but like, no, I actually know that guy. I sat down with him. Yeah, that's that's how these these things work. So actually, that answered my my last question. So now here's time for the rapid fire questions. All this goodwill that we've established, I'm oh. gonna piss it all away now. Let's go. Um, so rapid fire. You want to answer these as quickly as possible. Don't overthink it. All right. Um, on average, how long does it take to you res- for you to respond to text? Uh, about probably a minute if I'm driving. I don't answer text when I'm driving. I dig it. Mm-hmm. Onion rings or French fries? Fries. Okay. 
I, I have a political debate about that, about yeah. French fries. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. What's something that, without fail, makes you laugh? That makes me laugh. Um, always sunny in Philadelphia. You, you, get, it. you get it. You get it. <laughs> Uh, favorite 90s game? Controversial. <laughs> favorite 90s game? Uh, well, we're gonna go with GoldenEye just because that was the most, like, uh, I, there's a bunch of better games, but that was the one where me my friends would get together and that would get violent. That, that song slapped, by the way, the theme. Yeah, yeah, come on. <laughs> and lastly, um, I read that you enjoy whiskey. Uh-huh. Neat or on the rocks? Uh, I like it neat initially. And then, uh, <laughs> and then it gets messy. Oh, well, then in your second when you got to throw a piece of ice in there because hydration and, uh, you know. <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's a great way to describe it, by the way. You know, hydration, sure. It's sure. like you are drinking. <laughs> You're drinking alcohol. Uh, yeah. So, so that's all I had, John. Um, I want to thank you for coming on to this podcast. And two, I want to um, invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check you out, your social media website, mm-hmm. all of that good stuff. Thank you again for coming on to this podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, rockerjohn, R-O-K-R-J-O-N. And uh, that's also, I find my website and links all there. But that's pretty much where I live these days is uh, trying to play that uh, sweet, sweet Instagram algorithm, you know. <laughs> trying to figure out the right combination of hashtags, like I'm good while hunting in the mirror. Like, which one's going to hit here? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, so there you have it, folks. Again, thank you, uh, John Garcia, for coming on to this podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there is art, there is community, there is culture culture in and around your city. You just got to look for it. The Truth in Us Art Beyond is produced with the generous support from Raisin in the Sun, Black Art Matters ATX, and Six Square. Raisin in the Sun is an Austin-based nonprofit organization whose work focuses on cultivating resilience through art and environmental initiatives. Find more out about their mission at RaisinInTheSun.org. Black Art Matters ATX focuses on amplifying black voices in Austin's cultural conversation by financially supporting new work from black artists based in Austin. Learn more about their work at blackartmattersatx.org. And Six Square. Their work focuses on preserving and celebrating the historical legacy of the African-American community that once thrived in Central East Austin. Learn more about their work at sixsquare.org. Thank you all for your generous support. Thank you.